Hello and welcome to Date Your Ego, Marry Your Soul podcast. I'm your host, Serafina, and I am an ego and soul enthusiast. We can no longer be strangers to our egos and how they function. So come and join me as we find out why and how this philosophy of dating your ego but marrying your soul is true and useful for you. Things are getting really exciting up here in the studio. Today, I welcome someone who is a relationship coach and the founder of The Ultimate Connection in London, England, Elena Angel. She helps people harness energetics for healing, transformation, and co-creation. She also helps bust myths about soulmates. Is your soulmate only a romantic connection? Elena disagrees. She also helps people with personal evolution and says it's the key to planetary and cosmic evolution. I'm so excited to meet this woman. Please put your pens down, put your phones away. You do want to listen to what Elena has to say, especially for a free bonus she's offering to everyone at the end of this episode. So without further ado, let's listen in. The ego is the part of you that you would most readily identify with. So it's connected with your family, your family history, your ancestry, uh, your upbringing, or your, your conditioning. I would say it includes all of your experiences and all of the learning that you're consciously aware of, and also a lot that you're not consciously aware of. You know, the ego gets a lot of bad press, and you know, I, I'm not antagonistic to the ego. I, I think it's a framework that is very valuable, and we do need it to function in this world and to have relationships and to interact. I think the problem comes when it's not aligned with your soul. I see the soul as, as a greater self, as a bigger entity. So this is the absolute totality of all of your consciousness and all of your energy, your greater awareness and your greater beingness all combined. I would say that the soul is your guiding light. So it's, it's there always. You can't get away from it. it. It is actually your deeper truth. It gives you a sense of inner knowing. So when you have a sense of, you know, the centered knowing that that is coming from your soul rather than the ego. When you know something deeply in your heart, when you know when something is really right for you or not, and not based on some logical process, you just know it in your, in your heart without any explanation, without nothing. You just have this inner knowing. And this is also your compass towards what will truly fulfill you, what has true deep meaning for you, and the most satisfying way in which you can express all, all the love that you are, ultimately. And what we can do is, is really tune into how the soul wants to express the love. If we see all of us as love ultimately, or, or God or divinity being love ultimately, then your soul has a, its own unique way of channeling that and expressing that. I would say that the ego tends to be more fear-based, usually. So the ego is trying to protect itself. <laughs> the ego is trying to protect you from being hurt or experiencing a negative outcome. It's trying to fulfill a certain function and it tends to be fear-based and it tends to see separation instead of connection. Whereas the soul tends to see connection, opportunity, tends to see expansion, tends to be more eager, you know, to learn and to grow. And so the courage, I would say, probably comes from that place. Elena, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Serafina. It's so great to be here. I'm very, very excited. And yes, I just feel the energy of tonight, this interview. It's just great. Wonderful. Elena, tell us a little bit about you, whatever you'd like to share with us, you know, a bit about where you're from, what you do, 
So I'm originally from Greece. I grew up in Athens. That's where I went to school. And my great passion at the time was music. So I completed my studies in music. And then I came to London when I was 19 to pursue my musical studies, except that it was a bigger journey. It was more of a spiritual musical journey. So I started to pursue all kinds of alternative interests, let's say, in spirituality, alternative healing, energetics. I studied modalities like hypnosis and uh, somatic practices like rebirthing. Uh, your listeners may be familiar with those. And to me, these were all very new and, and very powerful, uh, coming from a fairly conservative society, I guess, that didn't have so many basics. And my great interest was in understanding human nature, how we create things, especially looking at the psychic, psychological somatic methods and the energetic aspect of human being and, and also the energetic side of how we manifest, how we create things. And one very important area was relationships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no surprise then, I became a relationship coach. But, you know, from an early age, they troubled me as much as they fascinated me because I was witnessing some really good people around. But at the same time, the relationships were usually very dysfunctional, troubled. There were a lot of conflicts and disagreements, harsh struggles and inauthenticity. And most people around me had trouble connecting very deeply. Um, the tendency was to be reactive and hurtful, even when they loved each other. That's what I saw. That's what I experienced. Uh, this was in my surroundings, in my family, but also I could see that my friends and their families and at school. It was also what somehow made a TV extremely popular. There were all these popular soap operas that were full of emotional <laughs> drama and power struggles and, and yes. horrible dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow this was the thing and I couldn't get it at all. It, it really troubled me. The other thing I couldn't quite work out with relationships was the spiritual side of them. Because I experienced myself as a deeply spiritual being and I grew up in a Christian environment, Christian Orthodox in Greece, uh, where I was growing up, but there didn't seem to be a a viable model in religion or a viable solution for relationships there either. Uh, So you had the Virgin Mary or you had the Mary Magdalene, and the expectation was you'd have to have some saintly marriage (laughs) Um, and have this perfect relationship with your husband or your wife, and that was it. And that wasn't what I was seeing around me, so clearly it was not realistic. And I could not really identify with either of those feminine archetypes, I couldn't find the feminine divine or the divine feminine represented in my religion. And it it clearly wasn't happening in the society I was growing up in. So it really troubled me. And if anything, I felt like the Christ on the cross, you know, I was in agony. I felt like this, this was really horrific. As a result, I became quite introverted. I tended to distance myself from others. And I think one main reason in hindsight was that I just didn't want to be part of that. I didn't want to be relating like that. And also, I didn't know any other way to relate. (laughs) I didn't have any answers. And so when I came to London, I started having more life experiences, started to learn from different spiritual traditions and and also other more modern understandings of relating. I was trying to piece together some way in which I could have uh, a functional relationship, but also spiritual one that, that somehow was more consistent than what I could see through religion. And so eventually after, I think it was about 25 odd years of pursuing music and all of those alternative interests and learning from as many teachers as I could, traveling also to Asia a lot, Southeast Asia, and and learning from many teachers there. Eventually I came to 
to find an answer with that when I came to Tantra, actually. So Tantra for me started to put the pieces together. And I, I understood that sexuality can be a very sacred thing and it can be an embodied sexuality, embodied spirituality that is much more integrated, more authentic. And not long after that uh, encounter with uh, the tantric teachings and Taoist teachings, um, I just completely shifted my profession. And, and that's when I went into the coaching and mentoring tantric work full time. And this became my life's work. So there you have it. My goodness. To have that determination as a young girl to follow your soul's calling, travel the world over, and then come back and discover your purpose. That is really commendable. Thank you. It's, I just couldn't live with myself otherwise. Um, it had to be this way. There was a real compelling urge to find answers um, because there was a deep pain in there as well. So. I was really wanting to heal that in myself. I think a lot of women, even just human beings, do have a calling. They do have pain, but they don't quite know how to access it. And I'm so glad to have you on the show because we can dive straight in because of your knowledge and your experience. I really want to ask you a bit about the human makeup. What is, according to you, the human ego and what is the human soul? How would I define the ego? I would say the ego is the part of you that you would most readily identify with. So it's connected with your family, uh, your family history, your ancestry, uh, your upbringing, or your, your conditioning. I would say it includes all of your experiences and all of the learning that you're consciously aware of, and also a lot that you're not consciously aware of. Uh, for example, some forgotten memories or some subconscious programs running. It's also all the roles that you take on in your life. Uh, for example, you might be somebody's sister, somebody's daughter, somebody's friend. You would be a professional, a journalist. You might also have some hobbies. Maybe you're a fantastic tennis player, or you might have a particular religious or political affiliation that gives you a sense of identity and a belonging in a certain group with all the expectations that come with that. And you might be involved in any number of activities and groups from which, as I said before, you derive an identity. It's also connected with the body, like physical attributes, gender, race, temperament, your, your character traits, your mind, your emotions, uh, really everything that you are, everything that you sense and everything that you do in this particular life. This is all part of your ego, all your beliefs, your ethics, your values, your likes and dislikes, most of your wants and fears, uh, the motivation or the lack of motivation that arises from this whole complex. Wow. So that's quite comprehensive. And that pretty much makes me up like you describe me. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so me is ego. <laughs> yes. You know, the ego gets a lot of bad press. And, you know, I, I'm not antagonistic to the ego. I, I think it's a framework that is very valuable. And we do need it to function in this world and to have relationships and to interact. I think the, the problem comes when it's not aligned with your soul. And I suspect that's going to be your next question, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Great minds. <laughs> I think the question about the soul and the ego is really, you know, where do they sit? But I'll let you first start with the soul and you can take the answer as you like. Yeah. yeah so the ego is already quite a big complex that gives you your sense of self-identity. But I see the soul as, as a greater self, as a bigger entity. So this is the absolute totality of all of your consciousness and all of your energy, your greater awareness and your greater beingness all combined. It includes all of your divine qualities and gifts, everything that you've learned, experienced and developed in yourself, all of your expressions, as well as your latent unexpressed potential. 
it's all of your life, this life. So it includes your ego. Okay? Your ego is within that. It includes your body. Your body is within the soul. However, the soul is bigger than that. And it also includes, and I'll go a bit esoteric on you guys, or your past lives and parallel lives and the multidimensionality of your existence. And so some people might call it the higher self or the true self. But that's how I see the soul. It's an individuated expression of consciousness is quite big. <laughs> wow. It's quite um, big. No, I mean, I think that uh, you answer that very succinctly because it sort of touches upon two things. One, that we're very active in the world. Mm. But two, that our origins are bigger yeah. in the world around us. Yeah. Um, how do we know which is operating when? Or is the soul always in charge? Is the ego in charge? I don't know. <laughs> What is it? Yeah, <laughs> it's the question. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I would say that the soul is your guiding light. So it's it's there always. It's You, you can't get away from it. it. It is actually your deeper truth. It gives you a sense of inner knowing. So when you have a sense of, you know, the centered knowing that that is coming from your soul rather than the ego. When you know something deeply in your heart, it's if when you know when something's really right for you or not, and not based on some logical process, you just know it in your, in your heart, without an explanation, without nothing. You just have this inner knowing. And this is also your compass towards what will truly fulfill you, what has true deep meaning for you. And the most satisfying way in which you can express all, all the love that you are, ultimately. And what we can do is, is really tune into how the soul wants to express the love. If we see all of us as love ultimately, or, or God or divinity being love ultimately, then your soul has a, its own unique way of channeling that and expressing that. Um, the idea is that the, the ego should ideally be a vehicle for the expression of the soul in this particular life, in this particular being that uh, you call Serafina, you know, called Elena. And it's a bit more time-space specific. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but it has a lot more potential. So a bit like artists, you know, we, we might have a lot of creative ideas, a lot of potential. We could paint portraits and we could paint landscapes and we could paint all kinds of different things or abstract things. But we focus our attention and go, oh, you know what? I'm going to paint this still life. And you know what? I'm not going to use absolutely all of the colors that are available. I'm going to choose my palette and I'm going to focus on these. And, and you know what? I'm not going to use all the different styles of brushwork. I'm, I'm going to focus on this one technique. And, and by actually focusing and making choices all the time and narrowing down those choices, which is what the ego does. It's just narrowing down the focus of our creativity. And then we have the possibility of creating this work of art. Whereas if it all remained potential, possibility, it could be anything, then nothing would happen. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I see it. Okay. So I think then it just follows from that, that the soul actually needs the ego to operate in the world to complete its journey. I think what we find people asking a lot is, I don't know, I'm not sure, what is my life path? How am I going to figure it out? Does that mean there's a bit of a lack of soul connection maybe? And you're obviously the founder of Ultimate Connection. <laughs> is that yes. what it means when people say they're a bit lost and they don't know? Yes. Well, what often happens is we over-identify with our conditioning and our ancestry and all the past experiences. And we carry a lot. We carry a lot we, we even don't know about. I've been doing a lot of work uh, recently on clearing a lot of ancestral blocks and entanglements, all kinds of things. And, well, it's not longer surprising me, but it's just showing me again how much we carry that we couldn't even suspect. You know, it's crazy. 
And this causes us to, to have a certain tendency. So we're not completely free to choose. We are actually a bit skewed in certain directions. <laughs> we're skewed, you know, it's, we have a tendency towards certain behaviors. And we're not absolutely free and fluid to be this new person every moment. We, we just don't have this freedom, most of us. And we do try our best. But we're often caught up in saying, fulfilling somebody else's dream. You know, maybe we're fulfilling our mother's dream for us or our father's dream for us or some ancestor's idea of what is good and what isn't good. And I've made this mistake many times. Well, not so many times in God, but yeah, I've made this mistake of choosing a partner and not based on what is really good for me, but based on what I think is good for me or I'm told is good for me or, you know, my mother might have done. And then later I find, well, actually, this isn't really what's working for me. This is somebody else's idea. And this isn't something that we're doing consciously, obviously. It's something very unconscious and a lot of attraction and a lot of relationships are burst from these skewed places. So a lot of the work I'm doing is about really freeing the person from everything that is not genuinely this person's, all the other stuff, so they can really listen to that intuitive sense, that inner knowing, and have that inner guidance system so they know for sure, is this right for me or not? Is this the right partner or not? Should I stay in this relationship or not? Uh, not affected or influenced by all those dynamics and things we carry. And we all have to do this clearing, I think. I haven't come across anybody who's somehow free of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, in fact, I think you've helped me with some of my clearing in the past. And I really want to ask you this question. So when you're changing tracks, say you've been choosing according to your mom or your dad or society, and life requires you to change tracks. Now that that requires quite a bit of courage. I really want to know, does that courage come from my soul or from my ego? And would my connection with my soul increase the courage I can feel or draw from my soul? You know, how does that work? I would say that the ego tends to be more fear-based, usually. So the ego is trying to protect itself. <laughs> the ego is trying to protect you from being hurt or experiencing a negative outcome. It's, it's trying to fulfill a certain function, and it tends to be fear-based, and it tends to see separation instead of connection, whereas the soul tends to see connection, opportunity, tends to see expansion, tends to be more eager you know, to, to learn and to grow. And so the courage, I would say, probably comes from that place, you know, not exclusively. For example, if you were a soldier and you identified as, as a warrior spirit, you know, and you know, a strong person who had to fight a battle, then you might have courage that maybe is not specifically from your soul, but it's part of the identity of, well, you know, I fight battles, therefore I'm courageous. So I think it can come from different places. But there certainly comes a point in our journey where we have to decide between fear and love. We have to decide between, I'm going to go safe. I'm going to protect myself some more. I'm going to, you know, do the rational thing or, or what's expected of me and, and just play small. Or am I going to just go for it and take a leap of faith? And, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out. But I'm going to try it anyway. And, mm -hmm. and have this innocence and have this adventure spirit or, or something motivating you or something in you that's pulling you and the direction of expansion and growth and going into the unknown because that's really what the soul wants to do. It, it wants to experience more of itself. It wants to go into its own unknown. So mm. I wonder what else, <laughs> mm. you know, for me to experience, how else I can develop myself. 
that I really, really want to get into talking about the ultimate connection, but I think I want to lead into it by asking you, now that we've discussed the ego and the soul briefly, what does an ego-led relationship look like and what does a soul-led relationship look like? What is the difference? Well, like I said, the ego doesn't have to be all that. So it is possible to have some very positive attributes, personality attributes or, or egoic qualities that could help you. For example, you could have a certain resilience or you could have a, a certain patience. You could have you know, good qualities that are useful and good and help you in your relationships. But equally, you could have others that are detrimental because the ego has these polarities, whereas the soul is much more integrated in its benevolence, I would say. <laughs> so what could happen if the ego is, is not terribly wholesome, let's put it like that, is you might make uh, poor choices, uh, maybe a poor choice of partner, or maybe a poor choice about staying in a relationship or, or leaving a relationship. Or you might make a poor choice around the actual purpose of the relationship, and that's quite major. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that we don't enter relationships just because we love each other or we have fallen for each other. There, there is actually a purpose for each relationship. And if it's an ego drive rather than a soul drive, then that could cause problems. For example, if I'm in a relationship and underneath it all, I'm, I'm really wanting to feel safe. For example, my soul wouldn't need to feel safe. You know, my soul would be fine with everything, but my ego wants to feel safe. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm into that relationship and really I just want to feel safe. That might not be the best relationship for me, for my heart, for my growth, my creativity, for my expansion. I could be playing small again. And ultimately, that will be unfulfilling for me. So it doesn't necessarily cause a conflict with my partner, but I will be unfulfilled. I will feel like I'm less authentic. I will feel like, wish I could have more, but I'm really scared to have more. So it could be something like that as well. And... Yeah, which it's quite a big one. A lot of people are experiencing these drivers. And, you know, myself included, I've done it. <laughs> we all been there. I saw it firsthand, you know. It's just not like I'm exempt from all of this. And you have to be like the spiritual warrior, like really paying attention and, and stalking yourself and going, oh my God, okay, where is this coming from? <laughs> and another thing that the ego will easily fall for is uh, the ego tries to protect its truth. So the ego is convinced it is right. It has a certain opinion, a certain belief, a certain judgment, a certain uh, appraisal of a situation. And it tends to want to protect that and go, oh, but I'm right. (laughs) Whereas the soul doesn't have to put up any fight. You know, the soul is in its truth and it does not stop anybody else from being in their truth. Mm. So if you're really aligned with the soul, you're more likely to be more understanding of another person, more compassionate, more accepting, more likely to see, okay, how can I build a bridge here and how can we connect a bit better? Instead of, oh, but my position is, and you should change your mind, and you should do this differently, and you mm. should not do that anymore because <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> I can see, uh, I mean, I read on your website that you bust myths about soulmates, and you, you also talk about how soulmates aren't necessarily just men and women or romantic relationships. No. It can be friendships, it can be anything. And if you're exactly. soul-led, you can find those partnerships, can't yes. you? Yes, absolutely. If you start to to allow your soul to guide the way for you in your life, uh, then that's a natural process that happens. You start to connect with these people. It, it just happens just by itself. You don't have to try for it. 
And the idea is really that the soul wants, wants synergy and wants connection. It, it, that's where it lives. It lives in connection, it lives in love, it lives in sharing and exchange. And it leaves mm-hmm. in, let's help each other to experience moments a lot more and to find new ways to create, <laughs> um, you know, in loving ways. So then with these people that we might call soulmates, there is a, a clear sense of supporting each other to live that, the thing that enlightens them, that enlivens them, the thing that has deep meaning, that soul purpose, that's the soul desire. And the soul desire, when it is fulfilled, it's never only for one person's benefit. You know, if I follow my soul desire, it won't benefit me at the expense of others. You know, mm-hmm. I will never tread on anybody's you know, dead body to achieve what I want. But whereas the ego might do that, the ego might try to have power over and might think, well, you know, if I want to have it good, then you can't have it good. <laughs> There's only room for one of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's none of that with a soul driven living. And in relationships, there's, there's a lot of growing together, um, yeah. rising together in whatever different way each person expresses. And your success is also my success and vice versa. So there's a real uh, sisterhood, brotherhood that can be felt without the uh, usual antagonism and the usual comparisons and, and the usual jealousies. And we're just delighted to see each other blossom, really. Mm. So can you tell us a bit about the ultimate connection coaching that you offer and you're the founder of? I'm dying to hear about You're dying to hear about that. Okay, great. So this is my own signature style of working in private sessions and in groups. Okay, focuses on self-discovery, first of all, really understanding yourself and realizing your own truth. And we're looking especially at life purpose. We're looking at relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and ways to apply spiritual principles for success to manifest things uh, in the best possible way. Um, the main ingredient of my work is energetics. I do a lot of energy healing and energy work. Um, this draws on 25 years plus of working with uh, all kinds of different modalities and ancient teachings, modern teachings. So, for example, I draw a lot from Tantra and Taoism. There's also some Kabbalist teachings that I draw on and shamanic uh, work as well, especially Toltec. Uh, more recently, I'm working with shamanic dream work, for example. I also incorporate more modern modalities like NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, timeline therapy, hypnosis. I've always had an interest in hypnosis and cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy, which is a little bit more specific. And in terms of energetic modalities, I'm using a lot of modern techniques that are inspired by quantum physics, like matrix energetics, the Millennium Method, and more recently, angelic quantum spirals. Um, using sound brainwave technologies like hemisync and sound healing uh, types of work and all kinds of other uh, styles of energy work like Reiki and the body code, uh, meditation, mindfulness, and various somatic techniques working with the body. So when I work with someone, I intuitively can pick the right tool or the, the right intervention, or the right little nudge or the right question for them to help them connect more strongly with their soul aspect of themselves. Uh, their own intuition, their sixth sense, to tap into their soul qualities and their expanded potential. So that is the beginning of it all. And then we look at that person's actual circumstances and what it is they're wanting to create, what is missing from their life. If they're having an issue, say they've had a lot of failed relationships and they're looking to meet a new partner and have a successful relationship. 
So we're looking at that and we start to explore what is in the way. We clear away the blocks using all kinds of modalities, such as the ones I mentioned. And then also we energize our intentions. So we set very good intentions from the soul aspect. Okay, So we're, we're really seeking to serve the highest good of this person. And then help to manifest that using uh, energetics uh, and other techniques. So that's how that works. Mm. I mean, the, the, the thing that strikes me about soul work is that it has to be quite regular, isn't it? You, you can't just connect with your soul on Monday and then forget <laughs> about it. And then let your ego take charge and then say, oh, you know. Sure. Yeah, well, the thing is, your soul will never abandon you. you know, it's, it's not like it's, it's going to disappear until you... You go, oh, hey, you know, where are you? It's, you know, we try to forget about it, but it won't go away. Because ultimately, in the, in the grander scheme of things, you only exist because your soul focused you and wanted to have this experience as you. So ultimately, the soul wins. <laughs> it just might take you a lot longer, and it might be a much more difficult process, and you might become very lost in whatever behaviors and addictions and, you know, all kinds of things. Until you finally wake up to, okay, enough pain, enough suffering, this really doesn't work. Okay, let's try a different way. And then you can consciously turn into that other way of learning. And when you connect with your soul, you will be invited to be more truthful about yourself. And that can be a difficult process. Okay, I'll, I'll admit that. It can be difficult to, to look at ourselves and say, oh my God, you know, I'm doing this horrible thing and that's me. Oh, wow. And to take responsibility and, and there's a process of acceptance and of forgiveness and transforming. So that is not super easy. But after a while, you start to reap the benefits of that. It's, it's not like you are always in this difficulty or, or always in this wounded place or re reactionary place. After a while, you start to shift into being in more flow and you start to shift into feeling more creative and more inspired and more guided by greater force you know that somehow synchronicities occur and mm. miracles occur in your life and you have a deeper sense of uh, joy and satisfaction and it all feels somewhat more meaningful actually then you will have much more motivation to stay on the path once you make that shift get to that side and then you just wouldn't have it any other way it's everything else is just so much less efficient, more painful. So. <laughs> yeah. And also there's this thing with soul work. It's long lasting. Yeah. <laughs> you shift, you know, that, that stuff is yeah. done. You don't, you can take it off your list. You can, you have to do more work. Sure. But when you shift something, it's done. You don't need to keep shifting it unless you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have free will. We could always do the stupid thing, you know, yeah. if we really want to, but, <laughs> but hopefully we won't. And as you say, you know, after a while, you know, you stabilize a new way of yeah. being. It, it becomes more integrated with, with your personality as well. So your, your soul and your ego become more integrated and more leaning in, in that direction rather than the other one. Well, so you, you, you no longer think of this thing that you've now accomplished in your soul work as, oh gosh, I have to keep trying for that. It's done. You know, you've got it. Mm. You know, I have assimilated it. You, you have made it yours. It's yours. It's you're now on a new level and you just grow. I mean, I've worn different hats in my life. So I used to be a banker and then I became an artist and now I'm more sort of exploring the philosophical and spiritual side of my origins and writing a book. But sometimes when I connect with people from banking, they, you know, 
look at me as if I've been through some kind of crazy voodoo <laughs> stuff. And when I talk to them about the soul, not, not all of them, most of them are really like, please tell me more because they're really suffering. But one of them was like, you know, why would I think about that? I don't have the time. I have a job. It's great. I have a husband. I have kids. My life is so busy. Why would I think about my soul? And, you know, I wanted to, within that context, ask you about the title, Date Your Ego, Marry Your Soul. And within the context of the busy woman who's got it all figured out, has her best okay. friends and her husband and her children, okay. why should that woman care, you know? Uh, yes, sure. Why would she care? Uh, she would only care if, if there was something from within, if something uh, somehow was stirred within her that told her, hey, this isn't it. You, you're not done yet. But maybe this is it, you know. If we look at a person's life from the outside, we, we don't really know, you know, what this person is experiencing. You know, we can, we can empathize and we can try to imagine, we can ask questions and get to know this person, but only that person knows what it's really like. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, our, our life is not to be so radically different. <laughs> so maybe that's it. Maybe this person is expressing the soul longing through the family and that job. And, you know, maybe that, that's it for them. It doesn't have to look a particular way. It doesn't have to look like drastic transformation. Only that person knows if they're fulfilling a, a deeper longing or not. So that would be really the beginning of it. I think a lot of people have awakening moments. I work with a lot of people who've had a certain more conventional life. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain age, something happens, you know, something drastic happens. Maybe they lose their job or they're betrayed completely by their partner of 20 odd years or, you know, something happens. It's unfortunately, it tends to be bad. <laughs> it, it, it can also be a good thing. I've, I've also met people who suddenly had like a transpersonal experience and this happened to me. So completely unexpectedly, I had this transpersonal um, sexual experience. And it's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> mm. And uh, a transcendental sexual experience. And it's just completely open my eyes to what what was possible that I couldn't have suspected. And if I read it in a book, I wouldn't believe it because, like, yeah, right. You know? <laughs> it's a lot of fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when it happens to you, and then you know it that it's it's real. It's happened to you. Then that might cause you to rethink and reevaluate how you've been doing things and how you've been living your life. And that is one way in which your soul is ringing a bell for you and going, okay, time to up your game now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, time to you know, up the levels here. And it, it does vary from person to person. But, but yes, I don't think anybody would decide to go on this uh, great journey of transformation just because you told them about it. Exactly. <laughs> or I told them about it. It's like, hey, yeah. yes, it's inconsequential. Yeah. They have to, something has to happen to them personally. Yeah. But it's, it's something they have to feel something or something happens that not just them in that direction. Yeah, no, I, I like to think that every few months when she texts me saying, oh, I need my Serafina fix, I'm like, Maybe yes. there's something there, but I'll let her figure it out, you know, for herself. I mean, because this show is targeting, uh, you know, women who are very much in control of their lives, their sure. professional lives. The one thing I love to ask my guests is, what is your self-care routine or self-love routine? Could you tell our listeners a few things that they could do for their own life that could enrich their connection with their soul? Sure. sure. So probably I'm not your typical person. I have a lot of energy practices that I do. I do some energy clearing on myself every day. I give myself a reading. I set intentions. I energize them. So I do all this magical stuff 
every day. <laughs> and for me, that is crucial. But something that I do that I think everybody could and would be advised to do is to do a gratitude meditation of some kind. Uh, this can be very simple. Uh, just take 10 minutes is enough a day where you just uh, sit quietly and bring to mind something that you have in your life as it is right now that you can generally feel grateful for. Uh, it can be a small thing, can be a big thing, it can be the sun shining today, or it can be this beautiful lunch you had, or it can be, you know, this great person you just met, or just, just anything, anything at all. Um, allow yourself to be filled with this feeling of gratitude, like a bright sun, you know, shining in you. That is the best practice you can do for yourself and for everything. It just changes everything in your life, even if you only do like 10 minutes or so. So some work with gratitude. I also make a point, and that's something else that uh, our listeners could do, is I also make a point of uplifting and nurturing my spirit, my soul, by reading something or listening to something or watching something, learning something that absolutely feeds this greater awareness of myself, my sense of being connected to something bigger, my sense of feeling love for my life and for other people, for what I do. Just anything uplifting, everything that gives me inspiration and encourages me and motivates me to move forward. So I always spend some time doing that every day. And again, I'm not your typical person here, but another thing that I absolutely love to do is to work with my dreams because they reveal a huge amount about what's really going on inside. Even we, we have trouble understanding what we really want or what's stopping us from experiencing a better life or better relationship. It's all in the dreams. It's everything that's in your conscious awareness. It's all your subconscious programs, conditionings, fears, unrecognized inner conflicts and hidden blocks. And at the same time, this is also where your, your soul aspect or your higher self is going to give you guidance and it's going to give you opportunities to resolve exactly those blocks and limitations, whatever is in the way. So the dreams are a big part of my work at the moment. So I spend some time either doing awake dreams in a, in a light meditative state, and I, I have some practices that I use and, and I teach as well, or I will work on my sleeping dreams and uh, do some dream work around this and transformational work. And generally, I like to work with trans states, a lot of hypnosis, sound healing, hypnotic meditations, brainwave technologies. Uh, it's all about uh, constantly reprogramming the subconscious mind because that is a major driver. So yeah, so those are my practices. And uh, you were telling me that right now you're running a promotion on your, uh, was it the dream interpretation workshop? Um, yeah, so as I said before, I find that the dreams are a really accessible way for people to effectively be their own therapist and their own healer and their own <laughs> magical manifester because all the material is right in there. And it, it really does help us to connect with our intuition and it radically transforms things in us. I've had people come to workshops who experience massive transformation, just one session working on one dream, like radically changed their lives by having that one dream that was the key to that transformation. So it's super, super powerful. And it's not that hard to do, actually. It's not that hard to do. So I like to um, teach people how to do that for themselves. And I've been offering a lot of workshops on this and online courses as well and enough for your listeners or our listeners i would like to offer a free webinar on this topic so they can get to learn a bit more about that especially as it relates to relationships so this is a free webinar that our listeners can sign up for it's called the art of dreaming secret keys to love and romance and in it we're, we'll be addressing 
the three main causes of relationship failure and how you can work with your dreams to resolve them, to address them. Hidden blocks to love and intimacy that you can detect and transform through dream work. And also how you can use your dreams to elevate your attraction factor to bring in a better kind of relationship, or better partner, one that is better suited to you from that. Mm. So yeah, there's also Q&A, there's a hot seat. So some lucky person is going to have some one-to-one work with me and on the spot transformation, I'm really excited about that one. <laughs> well, I, I'm really excited. I mean, having worked with you myself, I can just say to all my listeners, our listeners that... You don't want to miss this opportunity. Elena is absolutely amazing. Thank you for that. Can you tell us what you're reading right now? Well, I tend to read a lot of things. And uh, like I said before, I I always uh, kind of tune in and say, okay, what is a book to look at now? Or it might be a new book or I might revisit a book. So I've been revisiting uh, a book called The Mastery of Love. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz. Possibly you know this book or you might be more familiar with the Four Agreements and the Fifth mm-hmm. Agreement, uh, also by the same author. And this is drawing on the Toltec wisdom. And it's looking at uh, relationships from this more spiritual perspective, uh, uh, showing us how we can start to become aware of who we really are. And then we can start transforming all those uh, beliefs and assumptions and all those programs, all those agreements that we've made that are not who we really are, that actually limit us, that would be the ego. Until we can finally come to the place where we're free and we can simply be love, be the love that we are. Um, in this book, it's taking us a step further, even from being soul driven or soul oriented and just being one, one with God, one, one with love. <laughs> so we don't even feel ourselves as an individual, we're just one with everything. Mm, quite an uplifting thing as a self care routine, I have to say. Yeah, well, I realized that. It's, it ties in with what you said before. It's like on the one hand, we, we assimilate and we process and we make ours a lot of uh, growth, okay, when we look at these spiritual pursuits. But there's a certain maintenance that we have to keep having in our lives because there's always the new input. There's always media. There's always mm. negativity from the press and there's, you know, bad things happen. And these are influences that, that can bring us down again. So as long as we're in this modern, fast-paced, hectic, stressful, (laughs) you know, city, it's good to have something to just keep us there, to keep us in the optimism and hope and the motivation and the inspiration. It doesn't have to be so extensive, so long. It's just, I just made it my job because it was so important to me, but it can be a shorter practice. I think the existence of it, the fact that you have something is so important isn't it yes exactly that's That's important and it's about entertaining the idea that living in this busy world you do have to date your ego but you don't have to marry it you can marry (laughs) absolutely it's such a fun title it's that was truly inspired (laughs) it did come in a moment of so tell us where can our audience reach you so my website is elenaangel.com and if they want to sign up for the free webinar, they need to go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash dream relationships. And it's exactly about what it says, dream relationships. So that's uh, the place to register, save your place. And if our listeners can't make the actual live session, they can still send in the questions and the dreams and anything they would like me to address. And I'll do my best to include it in the, in the session. 
um, they can listen anytime afterwards. They'll get a recording. Wow, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for your generosity and thank you for all your wisdom. Thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's been such fun to share with you and uh, I really appreciate what you're doing and all your creativity and passion and all the uplifting work that you do. <laughs> thank you. Wish thank you. Much you. Success. Thank you, Eleanor. That was Eleanor Angel joining us from London, England. I really enjoyed that chat with Eleanor and I will be sure to sign up for that free workshop, which I think a lot of you would like to sign up for. What I loved about that chat was Eleanor talking to us about how as a young child, she had all of these questions about human relationships. And it was from that one question as a young girl that she's developed a whole practice, a whole method of inquiry, and today helps tons of people heal themselves, find themselves, and achieve great feats within their lives. What is it in your life that you might have thought of that could one day become so big you could be helping a ton of people? I'll leave you with that thought. This is your host, Serafina Salvador, signing off with a little more love for life. 